Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hello there, architecting. I am really excited to talk about today's topic because we're building on something we talked about in the previous episode about building a team for world changing. That episode focused on how you need to communicate in order to be heard and how you can let go and empower others to take your message and spread it in their communication style and how that reaches so many more people and is more powerful. Remember, five different people can tell you the same thing. All of them can be sharing the exact same facts, but probably only one of them will resonate. So if we didn't have that variety, we wouldn't have the power of the message. And if we couldn't communicate to people in their own language, they would never be inspired. And those are foundational tools to making an impact through your career. What I wanted to talk about today is actively versus passively pursuing your passions. Just simply saying, I want a better world, or it really bothers me that so many people are living in poverty or that there are these social justice issues going unsolved time after time after time, or that we are losing so much of our best selves because we work in buildings that compromise us physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally every single day. We all have things that we're passionate about, but our passion is just simply not enough. It's not going to get you there. You have to be a lot more active about honing your skills, aligning it with the passion, and then figuring out how to go from there. So in other words, it's a lot about saying, should you specialize or not? And if so, what should you specialize in? It's easy to do some of the basic stuff of what do I love to do? What do other people recognize that I do? Where are my strengths and weaknesses? And those are foundational steps. We have covered them in previous episodes. Find your strengths, find your passion, look for the convergences that exist in everything you have done and try to start to see where that is pointing. But let's take it a step further today. Sometimes doing all of that work can still be about doing what you think you should be. In other words, we're channeling the expectations of our society, of our workplace, of our family or friends, and we're sort of cherry picking where our swim lane is within those expectations. 
we're sort of saying, if I have to work in this role, this is how I want to define the role. So that certainly is a lot better than just showing up for work and waiting to be told what to do or only trying to meet expectations as opposed to taking initiative. But it still isn't getting you to that bigger picture of your why. A question that I like to ask people a lot is, if you could wave a magic wand, if you could change anything at all about your life, what would it be? What would you want to do? And that question is often the stumper. People just go quiet because we all know how to be problem solvers. We all know how to work within a set of constraints to find the best possible solution. I mean, as architects, that's what we do every day. But just like the completely greenfield building, the utter blank slate can feel so much more challenging to deal with because we could do anything. When we turn that same focus on our lives, there is that same sense of, oh, I don't know, what should I do? So here, I would really say, what do you do in your free time? What do you do when you don't have on your hat of, I am an architect? What are the things you read when you're looking at the news or you're online and articles pop up? What things draw your attention and fascinate you? When you have a choice in activities, How are you making a decision? If you feel like you can't make a decision, like you just don't even know, what you need to do is stop and reset. Get deeply in touch with who you are. So let's try that now. Make sure you have your feet on the floor and you feel really grounded. And we're going to do what's called belly breathing because that activates our parasympathetic nervous system and helps us concentrate. So I want you to take a really deep breath in and poof your belly out as far as it will go. And the reason we do this is it opens up the lower lobes of our lungs, which tells our body to relax. Then I want you to make your exhale longer than your inhale. And just try that for five breaths. Take the deepest breath in that you possibly can to the count of one, two, three, four. Hold it for one, two, three, four, and then exhale to the count of six. All right, try that one more time. Breathe in really deeply, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, and breathe out. Always make sure your exhales are longer than your inhales. You may already notice that you feel calmer and more grounded. Imagine that your feet are growing roots that are tapping into the center of the earth and just really wrapping around the solidity being on the planet gives you. And imagine that you can send all of the uncertainty down through those roots 
but you can pull up all of the energy, all of the stability to ground you. Think about the things that make you the most happy. You can imagine from any point in your life, it can be something you did on vacation. It can be a recent experience you had with your family, but really try to think about what brings you joy. And don't worry if those things don't seem like career choices. Write them down. Everything that brings you joy from this very grounded, very mentally clear state that you got yourself into so that your thoughts aren't racing all over the place. And just be very honest with yourself and set a timer for 10 minutes. And it may feel at first like, I got this within the first 30 seconds. Why do I have to sit here for 10 minutes? And the reason we do that is that our brain has certain resistances, right? It's why when we ask someone a question, the first thing they do is give the answer they feel they're supposed to give. You have to ask and ask and ask to get to the true why. And that's what we're doing here. We're asking over and over for 10 minutes to see what comes up. We won't actually do this for 10 minutes. That would be a whole lot of dead air, which is not so good when you're listening to a podcast, but you get the idea. So you wanna get into that calm state, then you want to, from that very grounded, very calm, very stable state, give yourself 10 minutes to write down what makes you happy. Looking at that list, what gives you results? When we are living in our highest purpose, not only are we doing what we love, but we're starting to see what I like to call the ripple effect of what we do because it's having an impact on other people. It doesn't have to have anything to do with what you do at work. It may be that You are really, really good at planning events and you enjoy it and you volunteer at your church and you get a lot of results because when you plan the annual spaghetti dinner, you guys rake in $10,000 and that has such an impact to the services and the programs that the church is able to provide. And that gives you results and makes you feel amazing. Of this list of things that bring you joy, which of those do you start to see showing some results, some kind of impact for good on yourself and on other people? The next thing is, in the context of those things that you love to do, and that are having a ripple effect, an impact on other people, what specific skill set did you have to have in order to get there? We use our example of the spaghetti dinner. What we would see is you understand how to organize an event. You understand how to plan logistics of resources, right? Because you'd have to order food. You would have to organize volunteers. You would have to make sure you had tables and chairs. You would have to think about whether you were going to use actual plates and silverware or disposables. You'd have to think about what was a fair price to charge so that it both 
is worth everyone's while to have put the event on because you're making the money, but not such a high price that people won't come. You'd have to think about how to organize and inspire your volunteers because you certainly can't put on an event like this by yourself. You need to have a whole crew of people who are excited about being part of this event. You then can see where their strengths are because there's a difference between who you have out front taking money, who you have in charge of the raffle, who's helping to bus tables, and who's cooking the food. There's also a whole advertising component. How do you organize your crew of people to help spread the word and get people excited about the event? You can start to see the skill sets that go into this event, the way that you need to inspire others, put them where their abilities are going to best serve the overall event, and then keep that train on the track so that everything stays focused. If things go wrong, which they inevitably will, you've got a backup plan. If you were to take something like that, and you were to then analyze it and say, if we look at this from a continuous improvement lens, what could we have done better? What were we doing really well? If you do this, you might say, well, if we go back to our spaghetti dinner, I think I might have alienated younger people. Ultimately, there's a lot of senior citizens that volunteer for this event every year, they're probably not going to do this in 10 years. So if we want this event to be vibrant and growing, we need to do more to get younger people to volunteer. You may say, I need to delegate more. This was really exhausting. And as much as I enjoy it, it's depleting me. And what if I don't want to do this in the next 10 years? Who will be my replacement? Who am I training to be able to do this? So you get the idea. Once you have seen the skill sets that come from doing something that brings you joy and that has a positive impact, you're going to look at how you can improve on those skill sets. Now we get to the fun part, right? You have taken those specific skill sets that you most want to improve. Now I want you to look at how you do your job. And I want you to look and see where you can find the skill sets matching up with things that you do at work and how you could begin to have an impact and transform things based on applying those new and improved skill sets. And one thing you might notice I noticed this when I did this was that there were things I was really, really, really good at that just intuitively came to me while doing certain activities in certain scenarios, but it had never occurred to me to apply those exact same scenarios when I'm working with my team within the office. And it hit me kind of like, you know, box of rocks falling out of the sky. Wow. Why has it never occurred to me to approach working with my team with the same skill set? This would be so much easier. 
I know what to do. I'm really good at this. It just never occurred to me to apply that skill set within the office. And I'm sure you will have very similar revelations as you do this. When you are in your zone of genius, when you are doing the things you are best at and the things that make you the most happy, you do not feel frustrated. You do not whine about who's getting what, when, and whether it's fair. You do not focus on how you can't. You focus on how you can. And you free yourself to improvise. You free yourself to think differently, to try new things, to do things different ways. Because you're operating from your highest brain level, you're operating from a place of joy and love. Very different than operating from lack-based thinking, fear, competition, all of these very negative emotions that shut you down. And that is why when you think about the things that bring you the most joy, you'll see that there's often a heavy impact that you have while doing those kinds of things. And if you're not already applying those same skills to work, think about doing that. Think about the difference that you could be making if you did. Also, think about how improving those skill sets can just 10x your impact. And we talked about world changing. We talked about what we have to do in order to have the impact we really, really, really want to have in the world. Some of that is really about reestablishing your baseline. So instead of operating from the point that you are operating from today, your ground zero, you're moving that ground zero. You can do that. Yes, you can. You can choose to put your ground zero marker anywhere you want. It doesn't have to be where the first person who hired you said it. It doesn't have to be where what you learned in architecture school made you think you had to place it. It can be anywhere you want and it can be moved at any time. If you're really going to work and do world-changing, impactful things, if you're really going to help people have better lives by giving them better built environments, you have to be able to operate from your highest place of joy. Your specialization has to be relevant. It has to be more than choosing a swim lane. It has to be more than doing what's expected of you. If you do this exercise that we just went through today and you really focus on joy and impact and skill sets that come out of that and how to translate those and how to strengthen those, you'll find that you naturally become a specialist. And that specialization, that thought leadership, maybe in an area that's not traditionally defined right now. And that's okay. It's not about looking at a catalog of thought leadership and picking a label for yourself. It is about doing your heart-led work at the highest level you can. I hope that this inspires you to really tap into 
your highest potential. And I would love to hear your stories of how this is helping you. If you've done this exercise and got some clarity, if you've started to apply some of that to your work with your teams and your clients, please let me know. And don't forget, leave a comment. You might not think it matters so much to leave a comment, but it actually really helps our podcast to move up in rankings, which helps other people to find us. If you find value in listening in, imagine that other people will too. And we are building a community. So by sharing your comments on the podcast, by telling other people about it, you're helping more people work at their highest level. Talk about changing the world. This makes a difference. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired.